This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Italians will soon get their first ever woman prime minister, Georgia Maloney. Maloney's rise to power, however, may be a serious setback for the rights of women, as well as immigrants, the LGBTQ community, the environment, and more. Her far-right Brotherhood of Italy party is seen as a descendant of fascist leader Silvio Berlusconi and even Mussolini. She's also considered to be a strong ally of former U.S. President Donald Trump's advisor, Steve Bannon. In an op-ed for Counterpunch, writer Michael Leonardi says Maloney's popularity is, quote, based on her fiery rhetoric and sloganeering, feeding on the spiraling discontent of an increasingly ignorant populace. Michael Leonardi is an activist, educator, and contributor to Counterpunch. He joins me now from Italy. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Sonali. Pleasure to be here. So first, let's talk about how she came to power within Italy before we get to the role that Americans in the far right have played. She was she's a very young person to not just be a politician, but especially to be a leader, the top leader in this nation. How did she get there? Well, Maloney's had an interesting uh, rise to the political limelight and the leadership of the Brotherhood of Italy party the fratelli d'italia she is uh she grew out of the fascist youth fascist movement in italy she was a proud leader of fascist youth organization in um in her high school days starting at the age of 15 she rose to a leadership role in the fascist youth brigades and she's always been proud of this never shied away from it um, and then joined uh, uh, the helped lead at the Fratelli d'Italia party, um, and and came to to win this last election uh, with a, a not a mandate I would say, but a, a, enough of a percentage of the vote in a coalition uh, with other right wing parties um, to be to be elected. Uh, what will soon be the prime minister of Italy, first first female prime minister of Italy. Right. I, su- I should say that uh, she hasn't yet been named as of this recording. And, uh, you know, this is the kind of thing that uh, Americans sometimes have a hard time getting used to. We don't have a, a parliamentary system like many nations do. And so you don't directly elect a prime minister. Uh, your parties choose the parties that win elections, form coalitions and then choose a leader. It's similar to the system in the United Kingdom. So Maloney is also somebody who has been very open, hasn't she, about her agenda. What is her agenda? And you don't pull any punches when you explain it in your article in Counterpunch, um, where you described that she has, you know, risen, I believe it was, uh, use the word slime, risen like a toxic slime on the surface of a sea of contaminated waste. Uh, what wow. are her politics? Her politics are based in uh, xenophobia, racism, uh, the scapegoating of immigrants for um, trying to put shift blame to um, the immigrant population for economic hardships that are on the rise, definitely in Italy. Uh, and, and that 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 line there, um, like a toxic slime rising to the surface of a sea of contaminated waste 
I'm referring to the rest of the Italian political spectrum because um, the left kind of uh, the so-called left, um, the center left, they say, uh, left a vacuum uh, in leadership. They didn't they didn't really stand for anything. I I kind of compare them a lot of times to the Democratic Party of the United States, uh, not really taking a strong stand for um, workers' rights, human rights, uh, just kind of nonchalantly following along with um, the most recent government in Italy has been under the leadership of Mario Draghi, who is a technocrat, uh, appointed technocrat, um, who was formerly the president of the European Central Bank. Uh, so he had very neoliberal um, uh, policies focused on free markets and uh, and and so it kind of left a vacuum in leadership. They didn't uh, do well with the populace. The people here are are frustrated. There's growing tension, growing economic hardship, Electri electricity bills, utility rates have gone up more than 150% just in the last year. So can you imagine the impact that's having on fa families that are working just to make ends meet? All of a sudden they have this massive rise in utility bills and it's causing uh, inflation across the board in the Italian economy. So people are frustrated. Um, they don't see any real political leadership. Uh, these last Italian elections had the lowest voter turnout in history, and and so uh, this gave the opportunity for the extreme right, like fascist right, to to rise to 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 the top. Um, and as you said, we're in a parliamentary system here, so so Maloney's uh, Brotherhood of Italy is in a coalition with. Um, Lega, which used to be Lega Nord, which is a xenophobic, xenophobic party, also based on the scapegoating of immigrants and a very nationalistic uh, Italians first um, sloganeerings, very similar to uh, uh, Trump's kind of sloganeering with America first, uh, this this same sort of language, right, that we're seeing not only in Italy, but uh, across Europe and across the world, um, this this they call sovereign sovereignist movement, this nationalistic sovereignist movement. So she's in coalition with Lega and also with uh, Berlusconi, who's still around. I think he's 86 years old now and uh, becoming a, um, a little bit more incoherent in his old age, but he still leads the Forza Italia party. So those three parties combined managed to get the enough of the majority and her party, the largest majority to allow her to become the first prime minister. Now, I want to say that uh, at the Venice Film Festival that uh, was a uh, a little over a month ago, Hillary Clinton was in attendance at that uh, at the Venice Film Festival and was asked by a journalist from Corriere della de Sera, which is the uh, one of the most important daily uh, newspapers in Italy, uh, what she thought of the possibility of Georgia Maloney becoming the first uh, woman prime minister of Italy. And she said that she thought it was a positive thing that any time a woman is elected to a position of power. It's a step forward for women around the world. Um, unfortunately, I disagree with Hillary Clinton on that. Um, 
Meloni is anti-abortion. She's very anti-LGBTQ rights. Um, so Italy has uh, um, recognized civil unions, but not gone so far as to recognize gay marriage, but there's a push for that here. And they have legalized adoptions for um, LGBT, the LGBTQ community, and she's threatened to reverse that, okay, and to reverse um, adoptions that have already been recognized by the state as being illegitimate. Um, this is part of the rhetoric that she used on uh, the campaign trail over the last two years. Um, I want to just uh, hone in on uh, this pattern that we see emerging where comparisons to the United States are quite appropriate. You have the neoliberal party uh, that seems to think investing in identity politics alone will be a path to power while, of course, doing very little to uh, further social justice, economic justice that ends up causing so much discontent and apathy among and lack of enthusiasm among the populace that it opens the door for the far right, for fascist elements to take root. And so you see that uh, leaders like Trump and Maloney end up being the product of both the far right and the failure of the liberal uh, wings of the political parties. Is that a fair assessment? I'd say that's it. It's that's it in a nutshell. That's that's what we've seen. Um, we almost saw it again, even uh, with with the last election in the United States. Um, and we saw it. I, I, I supported I, I've been a green for for decades. Uh, I was involved with the original um, workings of the Green Party uh, in the United States, uh, where I'm originally from. And just and I supported Bernie Sanders campaigns in the last two uh, general elections. And I, I thought it kind of was a travesty the way uh, the Democratic machine hindered him from being the, I thought he was on his way to being the rightful nominee in the last campaign. And then all of a sudden, from one day to the next, Biden comes from the kind of the bottom of the pack and he's ordained the, the next president. And so he gave lip service to a lot of the uh you know the, the the sort of occupy movement bernie sanders uh um campaign around uh inequality and social justice but then when it comes down to implementing policy uh we see very little uh progressive policy being implemented uh one of the issues uh immigration is a big issue here uh, in italy um many immigrants are attempting always to get in across the Mediterranean and usually around 2,000 drown at sea a year in a perilous attempt to make it to the shores of, of southern Europe and Italy being uh, southernmost uh, is, is a destination a lot of the times. Um, and, and just as it, it is with the southern border in the United States, the, the horrible conditions that we see continuing with no no transformative change happening from the Biden administration uh, and seeing a, a, actually a continuation of many of, of, of Trump's policies at the border. So uh, yeah, it's a frustrating situation I, I feel across the world. And, 
And I also think that there, there's a role that the United States has played in Italy, um, even since the end of World War II, that's been very um, instrumental in allowing... Right, let's talk about uh, that. Uh, you you trace that in your article on Counterpunch. The, the most recent connection is that between Maloney and Steve Bannon. But let's go much further than that. How did the United States, uh, with some cooperation from other European nations, squash progressive-leaning movements in Italy? Italy is, a, is, is an important country strategically because it's a peninsula, right, in, in the Mediterranean, pointing in the direction of Middle, Middle East resources. And, uh, and during World War II, when Mussolini uh, was the leader of Italy, there was the fascist Italy, right, uh, in, in alliance with Nazi Germany, the Italian people... There was a there was an uprising in Italy against the fascist re regime led by what were called the partisans or the partigiani, and they were communists, and they were in villages, towns, and cities across the country, fighting back an insurrection from within against fascist rule. And then came uh, the United States in with Allied bombing campaigns, which they uh, took credit for liberating Italy, but there's another story that there was an insurrection from within to liberate Italy going on simultaneously to the United States coming in. So at the, and then eventually that insurrection won. I mean, uh, Mussolini was hung upside down in a public square after being executed by the Partigiani that had liberated the country from Mussolini's rule. He wasn't um, captured and killed by the U.S. allied forces. He was captured and killed by the uh, communist partisans. Okay, and At the end of World War II, the Communist Party was the most popular party in Italy. And um, so there was a threat to the United States geopolitical interest that Italy could become part of the Soviet bloc or, um, you know, the Russian influence sphere um of eastern europe right and uh the united states after world war ii spent 10 million dollars which was a heck of a lot of money at that time we're talking about 1947 and 48 10 million dollars to influence the italian election to defeat the communists and put in a very u.s friendly uh, government called the Democratic Christians, uh, Christian Democrat, uh, Democratica Christiana, that, that was the Democratic Christians to defeat the communists. And uh, so the United States role, um, according to historians that have looked at it since World War II, has been to keep Italy in a state of destabilization with kind of a rotating door of governments really ever since World War II to keep Italy unstable on a governmental level so that the United States can continue to do business as usual within the country. And Italy is dotted with U.S. military bases. The war in Libya, for example, was, was the command and control center was run out of Italy. 
the United States has nuclear weapons in Italy on a military base in the north of Italy called Aviano. So if there was ever to be a nuclear conflict in this geopolitical part of the world, it's very likely if the United States was to use a nuclear weapon, it would come from Italy, which puts Italy in a very uncomfortable position during this current war going on in the Ukraine, um, where it seems the pundits out there and our, our political leadership are trying to normalize the idea of a nuclear war. Like, oh, it's so uh, there recently it was said by someone uh, that if Ukraine were to be attacked by uh, uh, nuclear weapons by Russia, that they would hunker down and fight back even more fierce than they're fighting back now. I, I, it seems absurd to me to think <laughs> that it, it's like re reducing the effects of what a nuclear armed conflict really means, wiping out the memory of what, what Nagasaki and Hiroshima looked like after they were bombed right um it's it's insanity it seems like to me <laughs> so today uh lay out for us as well the links between the rise of neo-fascism in the united states and that in italy what does steve bannon have to do with georgia meloni so uh, Steve Bannon uh, was going around Europe trying to unify these sovereign forces over the um, latter part of the, the, the last decade into 2020. Um, I believe he's, uh, is he in prison now? He was arrested recently, I know. Um, but uh, I, I read an article yesterday kind of researching the back history of this, and it, this was an article from 2020 that said Bannon's goal to unite the sovereignists and the nationalists across Europe was failing. But this election of Georgia Maloney here, um, Orban in power in Hungary, uh, the, the far right in, in power in Poland, a far-right extremist party having the possibility to actually win the next election in Spain called the Vox Party, uh, Marie Le Pen in France being the second largest party in, in France and just waiting in the wings because Macron's, uh, this is his last time to be elected and there's a vacuum in leadership on the so-called left in France. So she's just waiting in the wings. And just uh, in the last uh, uh, last uh, period in Sweden, there was also an election. And it was shocking there that the far right did extremely well and came in second place in Sweden. So um, really this failure of Bannon to, and, and they are united these nationalist sovereignist uh, movements. The first person to call Maloney after she was uh, uh, won the election was Orban. And the second person was the president of Poland whose name's escaping me at the moment. So um, there is this unification and, and Bannon did go around Europe. They held training uh, sessions and conventions together, uh, launching this, what they called this new Christians cru Christian crusade in Europe to preserve what they wrap in this rhetoric of family values and uh, this kind of white identity 
racist kind of politics, the same type of politics we saw, saw glaringly uh, rise to the surface during the Trump years. This same agenda is being pushed throughout Europe. In fact, Bannon attempted, and it's one very positive thing that came out of the COVID pandemic, uh, is he attempted to open uh, a training institute and he was given for a very small amount of money this old beautiful monastery in the foothills outside of rome near a town called frosinone he was given this monastery that was to be used as the training grounds for the new far-right uh christian crusades to take over europe um, and fortunately, during the pandemic, uh, that got put to a halt, and and the town eventually came to its surface, uh, its uh, its senses, and uh, re didn't renew the the lease of this monastery for like next to no money. This incredibly beautiful monastery—it was like shocking. Steve Bannon's got this monastery in the foothills outside of Rome to train the new Christian Crusades. But enough training seems to have been done that uh, we're headed in that direction. It's 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 frightening. Well, Michael, <laughs> uh, we'll certainly uh, would love to touch base with you again once uh, Meloni comes to power, and uh, we'll see what's what's what her agenda actually unfolds into. I want to thank you so much for joining us today, and good luck to you. I appreciate being on, and I and I look forward to talking to you again because right now it's a big question mark. Right, what's really actually going to happen with her government? Because there's so much on the table that it's going to be very hard for her to implement uh, the agenda that she'd like to see. So we'll see. Uh, and thanks for having me, and look forward to talking to you again. Thank you. My guest has been Michael Leonardi, joining me from Italy. He's a, an educator, an activist, and contributor to Counterpunch. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.